0: Thank you so much, Dan. That was beautiful. We were the reason that he suffered and died. Your friends were the reason. The people you love were the reason. We were the reason. And Christmas is all about connecting the people we love with the Jesus that we love. Using this time uh, strategically to change our world for Christ. Everyone everywhere following Jesus. Uh, Merry Christmas, Purpose Church family. The month of December is the best month of the year for reaching people with the love of Jesus. And here's what you have already done in just the past 10 days, despite all the challenges of ministering and serving uh, during a pandemic Uh, 475 Operation Christmas Child boxes to children around the world, 500 meals on Thanksgiving uh, given to people in need, 60 food boxes given to families, Uh, 50 gifts to children of uh, uh, people that have been incarcerated, of of families that have had incarceration within their family, Uh, 45 gifts to children in foster care, Uh, 1,130, 1,130 individuals and families that have been impacted with the love of Jesus uh, because of you and how God is using you. And we are just getting started, uh, Purpose Church. Next Sunday, uh, December 13th, live services. I'll be preaching at the live services, the two live ones at 8.30 and 10.30 on seven attempts at canceling Christmas. As we continue our Christmases and not Cancelled series, I'll be preaching on seven attempts uh, down through history at canceling Christmas and how God came through and stopped those attempts. And then online at 8.30, 9.45, and 11-11 and uh, On Demand. Afterwards, we'll have our Christmas musical service. Uh, But if you go to the live service next Sunday, you won't miss that Christmas musical because it'll be online for the rest of December. So you can go right home and watch it or anytime during the month of December it'll be online. It'll also be there and it's a perfect service to share with your oikos online. The Greek word for uh, household, the 8 to 15 in your sphere of influence. People you go to work with, go to school with. That's your oikos. Your assignment from God is to go to heaven and to take your oikos with you. And how, how many more Christmas Christmas seasons, when it's so ideal uh, to build a bridge from people's love of the Christmas season, especially during the hard time we've been in, this love we have for Christmas, and building a bridge from that to the Christ of Christmas, and from a love of Christmas to a relationship with Jesus. So let's Purpose Church, let's use this strategically uh, to make an impact of everyone everywhere following Jesus uh, during the month of December. Now just uh, one fun item before we get started, uh, a couple of Sundays ago, Pastor Eric Holmstrom talked about Victor Glover, who's a wonderful uh, Christian uh, follower of Christ from here that grew up here in Pomona. And uh, he's on the space station for the next six months. And Pastor Eric talked about how he said he's going to be tithing, giving online from the space station for the next six months. And, and uh, Pastor Eric had one of the great lines in all of Purpose Church history on giving. He said, if he can tithe from space, we can tithe online from our living room. And so I thought that was such, just a great line. Well, here's another interesting person that's been in the news. This is Jay Bhattacharya. And uh, he uh, grew up in our church. His mother Maduri is, is still within our church family. I think Pastor Randy was his youth pastor. Uh, I, I married him and his wife uh, uh, Kathy, one of the first weddings I did when I came here years ago. Well, he is a professor of medicine at Stanford. He has four Doctorates, I believe, two in medicine and two in economics. At least I know he has an MD and a PhD in economics, but I think he has four PhDs altogether. And he has been in the news. All over the place in the whole COVID de- debate and how to respond to COVID. I mean, just I just put my his picture in my notes and had just put this information in my sermon notes late Thursday night and Friday morning. I open open up and I have this thing called Real Clear Politics app and boom, there's an article in the Hill, which is the most influential periodical there on Capitol Hill in Washington D.C. and there's a Jay's article on that on how to deal with COVID. So he, uh, so many people have told me they've been. Re- reading his stuff. Well, you may not realize, like I said, that he grew up at our church. Uh, His mom, Maduri, is still here. And he and his wife, Kathy, uh, worship with us every week online with the International uh, Fellowship. So please uh, pray for him as a part of the Purpose Church family, and let's pray that God will give him and others wisdom as we um, uh, figure out how to completely conquer this whole pandemic and, and move into the next stage that God has in store for us. Now today, we start our new series called Christmas Isn't Canceled, and the title of today's study is, It Will Be Different Next Time. We're going to look at seven differences between the first time Jesus came and the second time that he will come. Uh, I love this quote by Chicago's Rabbi uh, Yeshiel Eckstein. And this uh, Chicago rabbi says that all of the climactic ferment, ferment epicentered in the Middle East, with all that's going on in the Middle East, it seems to him to be messianic times. Here's a Jewish rabbi saying, oh my goodness, it sure looks like the Messiah is about to come with all that's going on in Israel. And if this is it, if the Messiah appears, Rabbi Eckstein says that he can't wait to ask the Messiah one question is this your second visit or your first visit? And so this Jewish rabbi says, the first question I want to ask the Messiah, and it looks like he's coming soon, is with all that's going on in the Middle East and in Israel, and the first question he wants to ask is, is this your second visit or is this your first visit? Well, we believe it is the Messiah's, it will be his second visit. And it's going to be very, very different, the Bible says, than his first uh, visit. Uh, In the newspaper business, I just learned this this past week, never learned this before. The largest headline you can possibly use is called, literally, this is what journalists call it, a second coming type font. A second coming type font And it's for an obvious reason that it would be used at the second coming of Jesus. And it's called second coming type font. Uh, The last time I believe it was used was at the end of World War II in the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, They used second coming type font on their cover. Takes up almost half the front page with one word, peace. Uh, One word that took up half of the front page. And so when Christ comes back, I think we're going to have to use the entire front page. And it will say peace. And yet we know that after World War II, it was peace from that conflict, but there was much more warring still to happen right up to the present. But when Christ returns, it's going to say peace. It'll fill up the whole page, and it'll mean it for all eternity, peace. Uh, The Bible calls the second coming of Jesus the blessed hope the blessed hope. Monica Johnson writes, when you are submitted and committed to the Lord, you will look forward to Jesus coming back and not even an earthquake or a hurricane, or I would even say um, even uh, a pandemic will be able to shake you from the love of of Christ. Uh, and, And John chapter 14 Uh, One of the biographers of, of, of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and one of Jesus' biographers, John, records his words where he said, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And it just seems to me that Christmas is especially meaningful this year. How many of you, wherever you're watching, there in your living room or wherever you might be, just raise your hand. Are you, have you looked forward to Christmas more than usual this year? Did you pull out your Christmas music a little earlier than usual? Did you decorate the tree a little bit earlier than usual? It's been such a difficult year. And I just, I've talked to people and, and we just are looking for some hope. Uh, we're looking for that. And Christmas is especially meaningful this year because of the year that we've just come through. And you know, that's very similar to the Old Testament prophets. Whenever you read the Old Testament prophets, major prophets, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, minor minor prophets, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, uh, Micah. When you read through the prophets, most of the time, they're usually talking about God's coming judgment on the nation of Israel because of their sins. And there are almost much of them are kind of um, doom and gloom that because of your sin, the Assyrians in northern Israel and the Babylonians in southern Israel and Judah, uh, those armies are coming and they're going to bring God's judgment on you because of your sin. But in the middle of these terrible prophecies, there'll often be a little glimmer of hope for the, either the first coming of Christ or the second coming of Christ and sometimes the two are mixed together. Uh, just the other day in my quiet time in my Bible reading, I was reading the book of Micah and perfect example of this. In Micah 5 verse 1, it says, Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. When these Assyrians in Samaria, the capital of the northern Israel, or the Babylonians in Jerusalem, the capital of southern Israel, they would come and lay siege. And the siege, when an army would come and surround your city, a military siege is like the ultimate lockdown. And they would come and have a siege. A lockdown is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. And in the middle of this terrible prophecy about God's judgment to come, there's this little word in verse two that says, "But." Don't you love that word in the Bible? "But." But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she, he, she who is in labor, bears a son. And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And so here, for the nation of Israel, in the middle of all this chaos and difficulty, there's hope. And the same thing is true for us in the year we've just come through in 2020 with the, with the second coming of Christ. In the same way the first coming of Christ gave them hope in the middle of their chaos, the second coming of Jesus gives us hope in the middle of the year, uh, at the end of the year that we've just come through. So let's look at those seven differences between the first time Jesus came and the second time he's going to come. Number one, the first time Jesus came, he came slowly because he came as a baby. And so that usually takes about nine months, usually. And so it was over a period of time that he came slowly. Uh, Let me do a little survey for you. Wherever you're watching right now, just raise your hand on any one of these questions. How many of you came early? That is, as a baby, you came before your due date. Uh, Raise your hand, just wherever you are. Uh, Our son Noah, our youngest child, came three months early. Now, he was very, and praise God for modern medicine that saved his life coming that early. Okay, raise your hand. How many of you were late? How many of you were beyond your due date? How many of you were right on time? How many of you don't know if you came early, late, or right on time? That, my hand's up. I never remember my family talking about, was I an early child, late child, or right on time child? How many of you couldn't care less? Let me see your hands. Well, Well, you're here. Uh, No matter when you got here, you're here, so welcome. Great, you made it. It doesn't matter how long you took, you're here. Now, Jesus' birth was a miraculous birth, and I'm gonna teach on that in a, a couple of weeks. We're gonna look into that as we're gonna see in a couple of weeks. But it's still, even though it was a miraculous birth, it still took around nine months for him to come. And so the first time, he came slowly. But the next time, it will be fast. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye. Now, uh, a blink of an eye is about one-tenth of a second. Uh, Sometimes it's translated instead of blink in the twinkling of an eye. That's the amount of time that it takes for light to reflect off the back of your eye. And so a blink is a tenth of a second and a twinkle is a decimal point, and then 47 zeros won that much of a second. So whether it's a blink or whether it's a twinkle, it's really fast, all right? And the main point is here, there'll be no time to switch sides, There'll be no time to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior when he comes the second time, because it'll come fast. Uh, the first time it was expected because it took nine months. But the next time, uh, the Bible says it's going to be unexpected. Uh, Paul wrote to the followers of Jesus in a town called Thessalonica, a city called Thessalonica in what is today the nation of Greece. He said, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. And so the first time he came slowly, the second time he'll come fast. The, uh, number two, the first time Jesus came, it was quiet. Now with the possible exception of the angels appearing to the shepherds, that was probably fairly loud. But otherwise, it was a quiet event. Uh, Bethlehem was not a booming city. It was a little town, a little village, probably of about 300 people. And that's why we sing at Christmas time, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Or why we're going to sing "Silent Light" with "Silent Night" with our um, uh, with our candles uh, lighting at our Christmas Eve services. And by the way, just a little bit of a hint that if you're feeling comfortable to come out and and to invite others to come out to our uh, in-person Christmas Eve services, uh, we're not going to have live flame because we don't want people blowing. Um, their germs on each other when they blow their candle out or even to be close enough to pass candles. We didn't want to do that. So everybody's going to get a gift of a little a battery-driven a candle, and you'll be able to take this home as a gift. So everybody that comes to one of our Christmas Eve services will get a gift, and that's the candle that you will use as we sing Silent Night uh, at the end uh, of our time together on Christmas Eve. But it was a quiet time when he came the first time. But the next time, it is going to be loud. Uh, again, First Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. Uh, first time he comes, it's going to be quiet, or it was quiet. Next time he comes back, it's going to be loud. Now, number three, third difference. The first time Jesus came, it was in obscurity. I mean, Count the numbers other than the animals at your nativity scene that you have at your home. You've got Mary, you've got Joseph, you've got a few shepherds. Uh, the wise men, even though they're in most of our nativity scenes, actually they didn't arrive for a couple of years after the birth of Jesus. So it was just a handful of people. He was born in obscurity. But the next time he comes back, it will be very, very public. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew, for as lightning... Uh, that comes from the east, is visible even in the west. If you're outside on a dark night and and lightning strikes, uh, you see it from one end of the sky to the other, Jesus says. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Everybody's gonna see it. The first time he came in obscurity, the next time it will be very, very public. Everybody's gonna know. And then the fourth difference between the two. The first time Jesus came, With humility. And very few people followed him uh, before his resurrection. Before the resurrection of Jesus, just a handful of people at the end, at the cross, uh, were still following him. But after the resurrection, his followers grew to hundreds, and then to thousands, and then to millions, and now today, billions of people, because the resurrection of Jesus made all the difference in confirming his ministry and people following him. So the first time, he came with humility, but the next time, he will come, the Bible says, with authority. Uh, Paul wrote to the followers of Jesus in the city of Rome. In Romans chapter 14, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. The next time he comes back, he's gonna come back with authority. Everybody's gonna kneel down before him. Every celebrity, every politician, every world global, global world leader, every uh, CEO, every military leader, every pro-athlete, they all, including us, will kneel and say, Jesus is Lord. Now, some will do it voluntarily, but others will have to do it involuntarily, but everybody will do it because the next time he comes back, he's coming back with authority. And then the fifth difference between the two, the first time Jesus came to save, a most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now that's the most popular one, but equally important is the next verse that follows. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The first time he came, he came to save. But the next time he comes, he will come to judge. Uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 31 He has set a day when the entire human race will be judged and everything set right. Isn't that a a hopeful thing? Everything's gonna be set right. Every injustice in your life, every injustice in in the world, every injustice that you've ever experienced, everything is gonna be set right when the whole human race will be judged. And he has already appointed, God has appointed the judge. Who is that gonna be? confirming him before everyone by raising him from the dead. The first time uh, he came to save, the next time he will come to judge. Uh, Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter two, verses six through eight. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of of wickedness. Uh, Rick Warren writes, you know what keeps people out of heaven? Not this sin or that sin, it's pride. Pride is what keeps people out of heaven. For them to say, I don't need God in my life. I don't need a savior. He sent one, but I don't need him. And because of that, the next time Jesus comes back, he's not coming to save. Uh, The people who have been saved will have already been saved because they trusted in him. When Jesus comes back, he will either be your savior or he will be your judge. It's your choice. God doesn't make that choice. You make that choice. He's coming back. To judge the world. And then the sixth difference between the first and second time. The first time Jesus came in order to build a family. Ephesians 1 verse 5. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family. Jesus came the first time to start a family, to start building a family, to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And he did this because he wanted to. Uh, The first time he came to build or to start a family, the next time he is coming to gather his family. Matthew 24, and he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and the heaven. And then number seven, seventh difference between the first time Jesus comes and the next time he comes, the first time Jesus came to die. Uh, Paul wrote to the uh, Philippians, the church of Christ followers, a group of Christ followers in Philippi, again, in, in today's nation of Greece, he came to die for you and for, and for me. He is, he is the reason, as, as, as Pastor Dan was just singing a few minutes ago. He, we are the reason. We, you're the reason. We are the reason that he came and he suffered and he died. He came to die. The next time, the Bible says, he will come to rule. Uh, Paul continues in verse 9. He says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The first time he came to die, to be humbled, to die a terrible death, on the cross. But the next time he comes back, he will come back to rule. Now here's the closing question of our study here today. How do I get ready? If he's coming back, how do I get ready? There's even more about him coming the second time in the Bible than there is the first time. And there are hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that were fulfilled to complete detail of prophecies given hundreds, sometimes thousands of years in advance, uh, these prophecies were given. And every one of them, the chances that even seven or eight of them could accidentally be fulfilled are, are just staggering. And yet there were 300 prophecies about Jesus coming the first time that were fulfilled thousands of years, hundreds of years, After they were given to precise detail, and now there are even more uh, prophecies about his second coming. He's gonna come back in the same way. It seemed like a long time before he finally got here the first time. Uh, It it seems like a long time, and he hasn't come back. But oh, don't make that you think. Let you think he 's not coming back just because it 's been a long time. The people when he came the first time, they thought oh it 's been a long time, maybe he 's not coming, but that wasn 't true. He came, he eventually came, and the same thing is true of the second coming. people say well it 's been a long time, maybe he 's not coming back, oh no he 's coming back in the same way he fulfilled all those prophecies and kept his word to come the first time he 's going to come back the second time so how how do we get ready for that? First, I want to say a word to those of you that are followers of Jesus. I love this quote by Adrian Rogers. He said, we ought to be living as if Jesus died yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming back this afternoon. This is how we should live our lives in light of the second coming of Christ. We ought to be living as if Jesus died yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming back this afternoon. That's how followers of Jesus We should be living our lives. Uh, Paul wrote to a young pastor he was mentoring by the name of Titus. And he said, for the grace grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, while we wait for the blessed hope. Like Adrian Rogers said, we ought to be living as if Jesus died yesterday. He rose this morning and is coming back this afternoon. And then for those that are watching right now who have not yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and we're so glad that you've been watching this. So, so glad you've hung with me this long. And also for those of us, all of us, that have family and friends who have not yet received Jesus. Either you haven't received Jesus yet, uh, or we have family and friends that haven't yet received Jesus. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Peter writes, he isn't really, he Jesus, isn't really being slow about his promised return even though it sometimes seems that way. But he's waiting for the good reason that he is not willing that any should perish. And he is giving more time for sinners to repent. Maybe this is the last Christmas season we'll ever have to receive Jesus. Maybe this is the last Christmas season we'll ever have to introduce our family and friends uh, our co-workers, our fellow students uh, to, to Jesus. This, this may be our last chance. He's waited and he's waiting and he's giving more time for us to repent and for our friends to repent. God wants us to go to heaven and to take our friends with us and our family with us and our co-workers with us and our fellow students with us. Go to heaven and take them with us. And he's given us one more Christmas season to do that. And and you've got these opportunities coming up where where, whether it's next Sunday with the Christmas musical or it's Christmas Sunday or it's Christmas Eve or maybe it's this message as well that you can say, okay, which one of these Christmas messages, uh, Christmas experiences that we'll have during December, which one matches which friend in my sphere of influence, my household, my oikos, Which one matches who? And you can share that online. You can either invite them to come if they feel comfortable coming in person, or you can share this online with this. And this may be our last chance, our last Christmas, our last December to do that. Because even though he's waiting, he will not wait forever. He will come back. And there are many, many signs that it may very well be soon. And so I want to close with our video closeout that I do every Sunday uh, with um, what we call cardboard testimonies from our most um, recent uh, Rooted experience. I I think Pastor Eric said at the beginning of the service, thousands, a couple thousand now, I believe he said, that have gone through Rooted uh, uh, from our church family. And just about every one of them, I would even say everyone I've talked to has had a life-changing experience And we just finished up one um, Rooted experience, and I just want to close by sharing some what we call cardboard testimonies about how God changed their life through Rooted. Uh, And then there's another one starting that Pastor Eric's going to talk about in a couple minutes that if you've never done Rooted, would encourage you to do so. But before we watch that to close out, um, I just want to give an opportunity in my closing prayer, if, if... any of you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just, uh, when you're talking about the second coming of Christ, I just got to give you an opportunity if you've never taken that step to do it. There's just three words, sorry, thanks, and please. God, I'm sorry for the sin and the wrongdoing in my life, how I've hurt other people. I haven't loved people the way that I should have loved them. I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus, thanks that we were the reason that you suffered and died, that you came into the world. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be forgiven. Now, please, I open my heart and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I want to follow you for the rest of my life as my leader, as my King, and as my Lord. Would you pray with me in your own heart right now, wherever you are, as I pray out loud? Oh, God, I'm so sorry for the ways that I have failed you. Oh, Lord, when I think of uh, how I've lived compared to how you wanted me to live, how I have not treated people or talked the way that I should, I haven't loved the people in my life the way that I should. I'm sorry. But thanks, Lord. Thank you that Jesus came into the world that first Christmas to die on the cross for, for me and arise from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Please come into my heart, be my savior. Please show me how to live a different kind of life. Please change me into the person that you want me to be. I won't be perfect until I get to heaven, but oh Lord, I want to see changes in the way I love you and the way I live and the way I love other people. Uh, And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody that's watching, say with me, in Jesus' name, and all God's family said, amen.